All right, well, we'll talk a little bit about what how you got to this point, how you got to so much success in Guangzhou and what experiences helped you get to that point. So talk to us a little bit about growing up uh, in Katoomba and your family and your swimming club and what sort of got you into swimming in the first place? What got you attached to this sport? Yeah, I actually grew up in um, Falkenbridge. <laughs> it's a bit bit down the mountain, but um, yeah, started... So where's, where's that in relation to Sydney for people that don't know it? Uh, probably an hour and a half out of like Sydney. Um, it's an hour away from Olympic Park. So I was doing that drive um, during when I was in school. But um, so yeah, I grew up in Blue Mountains, in Falkenbridge. Um, the reason really I got into swimming was because I had a backyard pool um, and mum and dad just wanted me to learn how to swim so I could <laughs> be uh, relied on not to drown. So, Like most Australians. Yeah, yeah, like most Australians. And then, I mean, I went through like the, I guess the ranks, like the learn to swim ranks um, at Springwood, which is a pool five minutes from where I lived, which is convenient. Um, and then there was a, there was a coach. There was, she was a development coach. Her name was Nerida. She was my first actual coach, I guess you could say. And she was like, "All right, this kid's got something. Like, he's talented. Like, he's got something special. Like, we'll just want to like fast track, like move him up." So I was straight into like the, the open squad there, at um, Springwood, and then I trained there for. Oh, six, seven years probably, until I was 14. And so what, what do you think they saw in you at that age, at, at 9, 10 years old, that, that thought that you had some talent? What, was it fast swimming or was it something else? It was probably a combination of, like, I was quite a good swimmer, I was a strong swimmer, but also how committed and um, how much I loved the sport and that I would take that with me through my life, well, through my career, sorry. Um, so I reckon she saw that in me, or she has actually told me that she saw that in me. I've seen her, I went to a wars night a year ago or so, and she did say that to me. Like I met up with her after mm -hmm. years of not seeing her, and we had a good chat, and she just, she brought that one on me. I was like, oh, like, <laughs> it gets me in the feels. But um, yeah, so I reckon the, the commitment I showed from a young age and the, the love for the sport was one of the things, as well as being quite a strong swimmer, yeah, and then, then you said at you were fourteen. Yeah, fourteen, and I and moved you... out to. Um, well, my coach at Springwood retired, so I was kind of forced to find either stay there or find a new place with a try and progress my career. I just decided to make that step, take that leap, and try and get on a like a, at the time junior teams or whatever. Um, so and that's when so I'd been doing a few sessions with. Um, like the Swimming New South Wales ETS, so the Emerging Talent Squad. And we'd go and do like a filming session out at Olympic Park. And Adam Cable, my now coach, he used to run those. Um, so when my coach retired, I was going around, or my parents and I were going around and contacting different coaches and whatnot, trying to find a suitable place. And Adam happened to be one of the first ones we contacted. And we went in with a meeting with him and Brant Best um, with my parents as well and when I left that meeting I was like this is, I want to be in this squad like this is where I want to be um, so yeah like a, probably a month later I joined up with um, Adam and Brant um, and I was mainly under Adam from 
majority of the time because he was taking I was swimming five to seven and the rest of the guys were going seven to nine because they were all 20 21 22 plus so Adam was taking me for majority of the sessions and I do a couple of sessions in the Arvo with like Maggie and Jaden Dan Trainer, those guys which was a big eye opener for me as a 14 year old I'm sure <laughs> yeah um, I mean and yeah that's something that made me progress my swimming like it took a big step in my swimming so you're 14 training 5am to 7 with Adam yeah and you had to travel an hour to get there yeah, yeah. so I was so waking what's up what's that day look like and then you go to school yeah so if I was doing a double and it was a school day um, it was a 3.45am wake up yep rough and my dad would wake me up so crazy in the winter in the blue mountains yeah that was rough get the frost off the car I had a nice big deck coat from Speedo, which was, <laughs> oh, which was just so helpful at the time. Um, and then, I mean, we'd probably leave around four, a bit, bit before four. Um, he'd drop me off. I'd do my session five to seven, and then he'd pick me up. So he'd go to work. Open, he's an engineer. He'd go work in a, sorry, open all the workshops at our Fairfield. Um, come back, pick me up, and take me to, if anyone's familiar with the M4, there's two servos about, uh, I'd say about halfway in, 15, 20 minutes actually. And he dropped me there and mum would pick me up from there. It was like a Macca's there. Yeah. So they pick me up from there. And then she'd take me to school. I finished school, I finished school at like two, I think it was 2.45. And then mum would pick me up from school and take me straight to training. And my sister would come along as well. So she had to endure the travel as well. Credit to her there. <laughs> Um, yeah, then I'd train 4.30 to um, 6.30 and then dad would pick me up after work. So dad would finish work at um, 6-ish and then wait for me to finish and take me home and I'd do it all again. Wow, that's that's crazy. Well, your junior coach, narrator was right. That's some serious commitment to the sport at a young age, not by you, but from the whole family as well. You know, mum and dad yeah. doing relay trips in the car so you know that's at sometimes that's that's what it takes doesn't it yeah you know, I think like whatever so. it takes i mean it was a family effort that's mm-hmm. got me here so i mean credit to them and credit to anyone who's been a part of it and helped me out so yeah and then you're you're an age group star at 14 15 16 multiple national age gold medalists record breaker so was there any pressure or expectation to then translate that you you junior world championship silver medalist as well to, to go on to, um, to make it onto Australian teams or, or to break more records. Tell us a bit about that. Yeah, I guess... Sum up your age group career. Yeah, I guess there was a bit of pressure to um, further progress that because from a young age, from 14, people were calling me the, the breaststroke prodigy, the one to take over, um, Springer and Rickard. Well, they were saying that about Zach as well. So we both had to endure that. But you were also good at some IM freestyle as well. Yeah? Yeah. yeah so Kyle Chalmers in your age group, right? I started out as an IMer um, at Springwood. And when I first moved to Olympic Park with Adam, I was an IMer. I was doing IM training up until 2016. So I was winning um, medals in the 200 and 400 IM at Age Nationals. Um, Zach had the stick over me in the breaststrokes at the start at 13, 14. Um, and I did a bit of freestyle as well. So I actually won my first age medal in the freestyle <laughs> in the 200 free behind Kyle. Oh, wow. Um, when I was 13, I think. 
and yeah, I was a pretty strong freestyler. I was a good 50, 100, 200 freestyler. Um, kind of went away from that a bit when I turned, or when I moved to um, Olympic Park, which I was fine with. I wanted to focus more on medley and breaststroke. But yet, having that wide range of um, strokes I could do, I think really helped with my breaststroke. So I wasn't continuously focusing, sorry, focusing on breaststroke. I was having other avenues I could explore if my breaststroke felt off. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. So yeah, that really helped with um, mentally and physically with my breaststroke. Yeah, and I guess at that point on the Australian team, uh, Rickard and Springer are probably just retiring around yeah. Rickard in 13 and Springer in, I think, 15 or 16. 15, 16. And we're never traditionally super strong in the IM as well. So there were definitely pathways for you to make the team, to make senior teams at, at a young age, right? Yeah, for sure. That's why we went towards um, Brescia. We saw there was a biggest opening there and I was a very strong breaststroker. That was the strength of my IM. Um, so we went towards 200 breaststrokes just before Olympic trials, um, trying to get a spot on that team. I mean, in the end, just <laughs> just miss it. But um, since then, we've just carried on with the breaststroke. And I mean, now it's paying dividends, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, well, going through it. So at Olympic trials, you were, you were 17, narrowly missed that in a few other teams around there. Um, make your first senior Australian team at Budapest World Champs as, a, as an 18-year-old, are you? Um, make the final, which was a big win, mm. uh, which I remember at the time, very happy for you and, and Adam to make the final. Then you sort of a little bit slower in the final, um, eighth place in that final. So, you know, you've had some success as a kid, some, some close misses and something like Budapest. It's a, awesome to make the final, but then probably disappointed afterwards. Yeah. How has all that spurred you on and motivated you on to, to get to this point and now to be you know one year out from the Olympics as a as one of the favorites as well like you said yeah I mean all those experiences have given me like a fire to perform and show what I can do on the big stage I mean missing um, 2016 the year after I wanted to prove that I could be at that level I should be at that level I, mean, I missed by 0.26 in the 200, 0.03 in the 100. And then in World Short Course, I was aiming for that team as well. I missed the 200 time by 0.07. So I was just like I was getting hit, getting hit. I just wanted to show that I could be resilient and get back up and mm. perform, which I think I did the next year in 2017 where I got the time. And if you watch that video, I like slap the water as hard as I ever have. And it was just like a big relief to like, have actually done it um, and that well was there as well I mean I was a bit sick going into that final but that's not really an excuse um, I think the, the atmosphere of a world championship final kind of got to me um, hampered my performance a bit I felt pretty horrible in that race I went 210 got smacked by um, <laughs> Anton went 206.9 so <laughs> yeah so we're all uh, experienced though I mean you're only yeah, exactly. you're only 18 at that point but but like you said, it builds the resilience for the rest of your career at, at that point, and that's something that you'll remember. And similarly to, to Matt Corden was, I think he just missed 2013 mm-hmm. World Champs as a, as a teenager as well, um, was second place in the 1500 at, at um, 2012 Olympic trials, didn't make that team, and you know it's done wonders for his career as well. So I think there is something in not 
so easily getting all your yeah. success early and actually having to, to miss out, feel that failure, feel the disappointment to then fuel you. And that, that's something that can fuel you for the next 10 years, isn't it? Yeah, I agree. It makes you a more mental... If you made Rio and had one heat swim over there, you might be feeling a little bit different right now, yeah. 12 months from yeah, the Olympics. Like I've actually like... Like you've already achieved, you've yeah, already exactly, made it, exactly. which, you, which you haven't, you know? No, oh, I agree, exactly. I could have been a very different path I went down if I did make it. I would be like, I'm an Olympian, so yeah. I don't need to prove to anyone, I don't need to prove to myself anything anymore. So, mm-hmm. But um, I reckon all the, the misses made me more, or make anyone really, a more resilient athlete mentally. Tell us about your day-to-day training life with, with Adam Cable at, at N-Swiss at the New South Wales Institute of Sport. Walk us through a normal week for you now. You're, you're 20 years old, off the back of world champs. You've got uh, a few competitions coming up later this year. Yeah. Um, so a normal week for me is nine sessions in the pool. So I do double Monday, double Tuesday, single Wednesday, double Thursday, single Friday, single Saturday. Um, on a Monday, Wednesday and Friday, I'll also have a gym session um tuesday thursday i've got pilates and saturday we have like a pretty quick 20 minute half an hour of like shoulder cuff strengthening so we don't blow out our shoulders which is very very good having a coach who's also a physio having that thought process in his head um i mean each session will go for like an hour and a half to two hours probably two hours more likely i mean i can always tell what the week's gonna look like because Adam loves repetition. <laughs> and um, tell us, we, we touched on it a little bit before, but I guess in season, what are some of the the best sets you've done or your favorite sets, memorable sets, you know? Yeah, I think the best sets are those three lots of 850s I've done on pushing 30 points on whatever time cycles are like a minute, 10 minute, and then 50. Um, that's the one that comes to mind. Um, I love doing the sprint sets with Eddie Marks. Um, he's a sprint butterfly, and sometimes I do a bit of uh, butterfly and I am stuff when I do those sprint sets as well. So I love racing him. Um, he's shown me up a few times now. Um, as he should. He's yeah, the sprinter. <laughs> yeah, but I love I love to just uh, put myself on the line there. I remember once we were in the Central Coast. It's 2018. And I was a bit overweight coming off the back of a break or whatever. And I was like, all right, I'll race you in this like 50 fly in this set. And all right, he flogged me in this. And he gets out of the pool and he goes, Adam, like, I was doing a butterfly and I turned and I saw some fat kid trying to do butterfly. <laughs> One of the worst cuts I've got in, um, in training, I reckon. It kind of got me deep there. I had to lose some weight. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, yeah, so I love doing those sprint sets, like the 25s dive. Or, so we do like two 25s on like 10 seconds rest, max effort, um, a few times through. I love doing that stuff. It's just because like I get to race. I love racing. And not doing it breaststroke. Just yeah, yeah, yeah. Mixing, out, mixing yeah. it up as well. So sometimes yeah. I'll do it breaststroke, sometimes I'll do it I am. So like, I just love mixing it up and yeah. love having a race, really. Oh, I'm very competitive. So. Well, who, who else is in your squad at... Um at Olympic Park. Tell us a bit about the, uh, these guys and what, what events they swim. Yeah, so Brad Woodward is um, with us at Olympic Park. He swims 100, 200 backstroke. Um, he's been with us since 2016, oh, maybe, 17. 
2017. So, um, yeah, he's <laughs> got a weird sense of humour, but uh, <laughs> to say the least. But he's very good company to have around. He's always around to have a joke. Um, like I said, Eddie Marks, 100 Flyers, made a few national finals. He's um, one of the funny guys on the team, loves cracking a joke wherever he can, quite honestly. Um, Josh Hurts, 100, 200 freestyle. Um, the dad of the team, very, very <laughs> responsible. Uh, can, he can have a joke, but it's like a dry sense of humour. So, so sometimes you're like, oh, like was, was he joking or not? I'm not sure. <laughs> but he is the, very much the, the dad of the team. Um, who else? James Traforis, 200 I, who went to World Unis this year. He's uh, quite softly spoken, I think, but one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. Um, we've got Meg Bailey there from... She went to Com Games in 2018, 400 IMA. She just came back from Ohio State, actually. It's from the States that she came and joined us trying to um, get a spot on that Olympic team. Uh, and she's she, a good dad, a bit of, a bit of tough, toughness to yeah, all the boys. Yeah, she is one of the toughest people I've ever met. She's <laughs> going around calling us weak <laughs> if we don't do a, like an effort afterwards or something like that. So she's, uh, and she's always 100%, like just, just has no off switch, I reckon. She's always on <laughs> and she's hyper as. Uh, Wes Roberts as well, he's Cook Island's uh, Olympian, 400 freestyler. He's my roommate and Meg's my roommate as well. Um, he's uh, just loves joking I mean most of our squad loves joking and banter yeah um, we're led by Adam as well led by Adam yeah he loves loves a bit of banter as well um, I feel like I'm forgetting someone but oh well, we've got two new guys in the squad actually Shay Booth from Central Coast and Alex Quash from Auburn um, they've recently joined us and they're two very different people Shay's very very quiet very softly spoken um, and Alex is full of questions and just doesn't stop talking. But, <laughs> but it's two different dynamics and they're two great guys and two up-and-comers in the squad with us. So you've got a good mix there. Um, you know, guys from, from Central Coast or outside of Sydney, um, Meg's from up in the Hunter, and then some city boys. Um, Wes brings that laid-back Cook Island sort of yeah, vibe yeah. to it. Most most people are sort of middle distance stuff. So the work, you know, definitely the work that Adam gives is tailored to you guys. And, and talk a little bit about, you know, for you probably leading the rise of New South Wales swimming. Uh, you've been on the last three teams. Brad Woodward's now on the Australian team as well. Um, you know, New South Wales has been a little bit down for the past few years, but now we're getting more regular people on Australian teams. Adam Cable's the coach. Simon Cusack bringing the Campbell girls down as well and 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 Swiss being a big part of, of funding that and, and helping everybody along. Yeah, I mean, it's looking promising, isn't it? I mean, we've now got the Campbells down in New South Wales, so we're going to count them as our own now. So we've got a... I think we had four, maybe five, on the team. Um, I mean, Meg Bailey, I reckon she's a massive shot on getting that 400 IM spot for the Olympics as well. And then we've even, like, the recent state teams, I was having a look at a few of those results, and there are some very good up-and-comers coming through um, New South Wales swimming. There was a young breaststroke boy who uh, gave my state team's record a bit of a scare. It was point one off it. Josh Collier. Yeah, that's yeah, his name. Yeah. Um, he was there, and he was one of the ones that really, like, shone through for me. And, I mean, it's just looking so promising now, and then hopefully they all progress and can be pushing for spots in 
finals and maybe even onto teams in the future. Yeah, I think there's more more of an avenue now for kids to transition into open level swimming with with Adam Simon and Shannon Rollison out in Canberra as well. Yeah. So that should be good for the state over the next couple of Olympic periods. Yeah, we've got those three, um, they're calling them technical hubs, um, that that kids can come to and they can learn from the coach. So right now I know Adam's doing, he's doing a Friday Argo session and he brings in some of the kids. So there's a breaststroke boy from Glenbrook I know that's going there and there's a few other up-and-comer kids going there and they do a session there and they learn the stuff and they take that back to their home program. So the coach can learn from that and then this coach can pass that on to other swimmers as well. So the whole program as a whole. The whole program benefits, yeah, not, whole, just, yeah, not just not just that one swimmer. It's the yeah. whole program that benefits. So I think that's an awesome idea that they've uh, put into place there. Well, I think that's one of the things that people overlook is just the exposure, just the experience of it. I mean, you at 14 doing one or two sessions a week with, with James Magnuson must have just taught you so much or, or Adam being an assistant coach in that squad as well. Yeah. Um, and people just need to sometimes step out of that bubble and, and coaches as well and just see what people in the better swimmers in the state are doing all the, the better people around the world as well, you know? Yeah, exactly. There's nothing wrong with learning something new from a egg or colleague or something or someone who's in the same profession. as like That's what progresses us as people so i reckon it's a great idea what we're putting in now well give us some tips about we'll, we'll focus on your breaststroke how that evolved as a you know 12 13 14 year old coming into more i guess exposure to the high performance stuff but what did you learn at that age and what can you give us a tip or as a as, as advice to younger breaststrokers or up-and-coming swimmers in general and how did your stroke sort of evolved through your age group career yeah, so at the start of my age group career, it was a lot of just like, because I was a bit, I was stronger than most of the guys in like the 13s and 14s. So you've always so, been a pretty strong guy, yeah? Yeah, yeah, generally. But um, So I was just kind of ripping through and just just getting there on the wall because I was stronger. Um, as you get older, that changes because most people are going to be much stronger. And it's a technique thing that you need to adjust. So that was the biggest thing for me. So first moving to Adam that we just hammered the underwater cameras and just the technique get it like staying in a nice line uh, head down because I always used to have my head up like this and then just it was just a mess to look at like looking back on it now like oh my god that's like what I was doing and now comparing it to my stroke now it's just so much nicer it's a lot smoother Um, so that was probably the big thing that changed for me moving from Springwood to SOPAC was I started changing my technique completely like I just deconstructed it and reconstructed it um, and I learned a bit from so I did a lot of training with Jaden Hadlow and Dan Trainer, I am as, and doing their breaststroke so I learned a lot from them um, Trainer used to give me a few tips I mean back then I can't really remember what they were exactly but a lot of it had to do with like staying in a nice line and just gliding through the water which I think is the big thing with breaststroke 200 yeah yeah just getting that efficiency distance per stroke through it all so yeah no, exactly so that was a big thing we had a um a lot of talk about doing the distance per stroke and not just ripping through and like actually holding a line so you can have some energy left for the last mm-hmm. bit of the race you think breaststroke's the most 
technical stroke? Is it the hard? It has it been the hardest stroke for you, or has it always come easier, naturally easier? It's come naturally easier for me. I'm pretty um, hypermobile on my joint joints, so my knees and ankles and stuff can go wherever. Um, I think it is the most technical stroke of them all. Um, I mean, you see, breaststrokers going into they can do fly back or free, um, but you can't. You don't really see a freestyle going into breaststroke or butterfly going into breaststroke because it's just such a different stroke to everything else. It's a very um. It's the distant it, cousin to the rest of yeah, the strokes, exactly. right? It's, yeah, it's yeah. just everything is very like the freestyle butterfly is actually very like straight, um, straight plane that you swim on. Breaststroke is just going up and down. Your arms are going. Your legs are going everywhere. So. I think you need to be technically on to be able to do breaststroke well. What suit do you race in? I race in the Speedo, um, the new Intent suit. Um, I reckon it's the best suit I've <laughs> ever worn. So I used to race in the X's and I really liked those and I was like, nothing's gonna get better than this. And then bang, they bring out this new suit. Um, it's, it was honestly one of the best suits I've ever worn so comfortable as well um, has that helped in your your progression this year you think I think yeah it's more high-waisted isn't it the speedo yes yeah, high weight I like the I like I go the low-waisted in the speedo but I pull it up a bit so it's a bit higher anyway but um yeah look it's just it's flexible but it holds everything in which <laughs> which is important being that fat kid you need yeah, that, that kid, <laughs> I needed that no <laughs> But like on a turn or something, when I'm bringing my legs up, it's got that stretch that I can, and then it, like it brings it all back in when I push off the wall. So I feel like it's given me an extra bit of explosion off the wall. Um, it's also, I mean, as a breaststroker, having my hips up high is an important thing so I can keep my line, and the suit does that very well for me. Tell us about the ISL and how all that all, that all came about. Yeah, well, um, I got a contract offer from, actually first off, Michael Andrew messaged me on Instagram and he was like, have you got an ISL team yet? And I was like, uh, no, not yet. And he's like, when I joined my team, and I was like, oh, that's something I'd be interested in. Um, and then that was the day before uh, State Open. And then after State Open, when I put down a 208, <laughs> um, Rob Woodhouse, the manager of the London Raw team, um, messaged me on Twitter and was like, hey, you like free for a call? Um, be interested on in having you on our London Raw team. So I had that to toss up. And in the end, I mean, I went with the London Raw team. So I signed with them uh, mainly because I wanted to learn from two of the best short course, or sorry, two of the best breaststrokers in the world, Petey and Kirill Brigoda. Kilbrigoda being the 200 breaststroke world record holder in the short course um, meters. And then, I mean, Petey's, Petey's 50, he's miles ahead of everyone in the 100. So the opportunity to learn off them was too hard to pass up. Be interesting to see how it goes. It's the first year of this happening. So I'm not. It looked pretty cool that, yeah. that first match in uh, Indianapolis. I don't know if you saw many videos, but yeah, I saw it looks pretty new age. Yeah, I mean, it's gonna, it's gonna be interesting. Um, they've got the nice uh, the spacesuits going on there. So reflective jumpsuits. Yeah, reflective jumpsuits. So I'll be getting myself one of those and wearing it around everywhere. 
But the racing, it looked entertaining. It looked like everyone was having fun. The crowd was getting into it. Um, and that's what we want. We want to engage with the crowd and make it a fun sport to watch. I mean, there's also a cash incentive for us. So um, if we perform well, get more cash. And I mean, as you know, there's probably not a lot of money in swimming. But now with this, hopefully we can progress it and get a bit more cash flow and make it a bit more of a professional sport. Um, in the future yeah is it, how's it going to go this is the first year of the ISL how do you think it's going to go is it going to impact your training for the Olympics or your prep for the Olympics it, it obviously just runs now October through December yeah. and then um, next year probably everyone will switch their focus again back to long course swimming yeah I don't think it will um, impact the Olympics if anything we'll make it better we'll get more race experience I mean racing is training for a lot of us as well so I mean, I reckon it's going to benefit almost everyone. Like, it's not going to it's not going to do any harm. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're still training around it. We're not not everyone's going to be tapered and ready to race as fast as they possibly can, which actually makes it a bit more exciting in my view because it might level out the field a bit. Well, it's not about the times either. Yeah, it's, it's just about, about the times. Yeah. it's about the placing. So, I mean, it's just getting your hand on the wall first, so and getting the points for your team and trying to get a spot in that final in Las Vegas in December. All right, looks like you've got a pretty busy year to finish off 2019 and then the big one next year. Yeah, I mean, still going at 100 miles an hour. Um, So, I mean, that's how I like having stuff to do, going overseas, traveling, that's why I do this, I love it. So, I mean, no complaints from me. (laughs) Beautiful, well, congrats on a great 2019. Can't wait to see what's in store next year and uh, hopefully in 12 months time we can sit down and have another chat and have plenty more to speak about. Thanks, thanks, thanks for having me on. <laughs>